Our scripture reading today is the prologue to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Listen for the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent by God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. For the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me. Because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Let us pray. Lord God, as we gather in the midst of the season of Christmas, on the one hand, and as we gather the first Sunday of the year with the fresh promise of newness and of starting a year deeply resolved to do the things we know we need to do, Be with us as we look to the source of our freshness, our hope, and our will. In the name of Christ, amen. At the three services I preached on Christmas Eve, the text was the same. It was John 1, our text for today. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. It is a wonderful text that is full of promise and hope. But today I have a confession to make. There is a source for this light to which I, for one, often do not pay sufficient attention. For most of my life, I have put great faith in the power of human will to accomplish much. 
I'm a strong believer in the freedom we have from God to combat and overcome the darkness of our world, to be and join with forces of light in our own lives, in our politics, in relations among nations of the world. I have great faith within our personal lives and families that if we will be present to one another, if we will be honest, if we will be committed, we can resolve most of our differences, repair most relationships, nurture one another toward becoming the individuals God has created and redeemed us to be. I have great faith that we can face our most pernicious personal demons, confront most of the pain of our past, claim our present and future in ways that warm the heart of God. I have great faith that when we do the hard work of international relations, we can reduce most of the threats that beset us today, localized warfare, terrorist attack, regional turmoil, and conditions that give rise to the flight of refugees. I have great faith that if we will do the hard work of self-governance within our nation, we can address the, the issue of immigration that we have addressed before in our history. We can reduce violence in our cities. We can move toward proper relationships between police and those they serve, each respecting each. And I have great faith that we can address the conditions that give rise to the anger and fear that is so rampant in but not historically limited to our day and time and the way in which anger and fear are both reflected in and incited by our public discourse. In all these ways as human beings and as Christians, I believe we can be a significant part of the light shining in the darkness and of the darkness not overcoming it. But participating in such light is more difficult to do if, as I am prone to do, we ignore the source of the light. If the light that shines in the darkness is Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, the source of that light is God himself. The way Casey and Patrick and I just read the scripture today was an attempt to capture the light and the source of its movement from heaven to earth. The reading begins in heaven. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It then moves to earth. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The next stanza of the reading remains on earth. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. But then the reading vaults quickly back to heaven. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. The next stanza picks up the story of Christ and the movement becomes rapid between earth and heaven, heaven and earth. Christ was in the world, earth, and the world came into being through him, heaven. 
Yet the world did not know him, earth. He came to what was his own, earth. His own people did not accept him, earth. But to all who received him, earth, who believed in his name, earth, he gave power to become children of God, heaven, who were born, not of blood, earth, not of the will of the flesh, earth, not of the will of man, earth, but were born of God, heaven. And finally, the word heaven became flesh and lived among us, earth. And we, earth, have seen His glory, heaven. The glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth, heaven. In this operatic musical prologue to John's Gospel, I count nearly 50 phrases in English translation A little more than half of them are set in heaven and a little less than half of them are set on earth and there is movement back and forth. But the movement is predominantly from heaven to earth. The source of the light in which we participate, the source of the light we seek to serve, the source of the light for which we yearn and which draws us here is God. Now, many of us who are in the Christian church or who are attending a church or who are studying religion or who are thinking about what we believe and what we're drawn to, many of us are initially or predominantly attracted to what we would call the human Jesus, the earthly Jesus, the Word made flesh. And dwelt among us. We are attracted to Christ because of the wisdom of his teaching. We are attracted to the power of the images that he uses for himself. Bread of life. Good shepherd. Way, truth, and life. We are attracted to the tremendous deeds of compassion, courage, sacrifice, suffering, truth, justice and mercy that he enacts in all the Gospels. Yet in these opening verses to John's Gospel, the source of the light overcoming darkness in the world, in Christ, lies with Christ's divine origins with God in creation, with his very identity as God, the Word made flesh. Thus, viewing Christ through the lens of John's music, Christ is our source, not just on earth in time, but grounded in eternity. Christ is our source, not just here and now, but with God and in God as Creator. Christ is our source that is from God and with God at all times, both when Christ is in the beginning as Word and when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Christ is our source as God Himself, the Word made flesh. 
Now that's a rather heady, moderately lengthy introduction to the theology of the Gospel of John. So let me bring it down to earth in a non-heady, quite mundane way. At the Hayward household this year, we did not get our outdoor Christmas lights put up until Monday morning, December 21st. So late was their placement in the azalea bushes in our front yard that we decided to keep them burning 24 hours a day. I know that that's not good for the environment, but I just keep reminding myself that we didn't flip the light on Thanksgiving or the first or second or third weeks of December. Now, for a few days over Christmas, there were five of us in the home, only one of whom did not customarily make use of an electric hairdryer. We soon learned that the breaker that powers the hair dryer (laughs) is the same breaker that powers the Christmas lights. And the combination of the two consistently and regularly proved too much for the breaker. So every time someone dried their hair, one, two, three, four times a day, the lights would go out. And we would race down to the break to the basement to reset the breaker. And then we'd go outside to press the reset plug on the outlet where the extension cord to the lights were plugged in. And then most important of all, we reset the clock on the microwave. (laughs) This is John's theology. The light shines in the darkness, but only because it's connected to its source. Concerning the pervasive fear in our culture and the manner in which we Christians respond, Marilyn Robinson, whom I've been quoting often this fall, writes, We Christians are taught that Christ was in the beginning with God, that all things were made through him, Without him was not anything made that was made. We're taught that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. We as Christians, she says, cannot think of Christ as simply a human being, isolated in space or in time. Nor can we imagine that this life we have on earth is our only life or our primary life. Rather, she says, as Christians, we are to believe that we are to fear not the death of our bodies, but the loss of our souls, the loss of who we are. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Earlier this year, my clergy wife introduced me to an ancient writing of which I had been vaguely aware. 
The letter to Diognetus is a tract of unknown authorship that was written in the first or second century and it was describing a new sect of people that had arisen in the culture who called themselves Christians. Christians are distinguished from other people, the author says, neither by country, nor by language, nor by the customs which they observe. For they neither inhabit cities or territory of their own, nor employ a peculiar form of speech, nor lead a life that is marked by any particular singularity. Inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities, according as the lot of each of them is determined, and following the customs of the natives with respect to clothing and food and the rest of their ordinary conduct, Christians display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking mode of life. If our mode of life is to believe in the light, if it is to live toward the light, if it is to live in the power of the light, if it isn't to participate in the light, if it is not to fear the death of our bodies but only the death of our souls, then what makes our lives wonderful and confessedly striking to others is our connection to the source of light by which we live. So how can we nurture that connection? Most of us know the ways, fragile as they are. We nurture our connection through prayer and worship, at home or in the workplace, at mealtime or at bedtime, with partner for life or with partner in prayer, in confession, in silence, in the Lord's Prayer, in church or alone. We nurture our connection through study and learning, personal, devotional, online, in print, class in church, class in school, disciplined reading, pen in hand, journal open. We nurture our connection through serving the most vulnerable among us, infant or elderly, imprisoned or incarcerated, impoverished or ill. Indeed, we often see the very face of Christ in the most vulnerable among us. And we nurture our connection at the table, the table of the Lord. This table, today, this is the body of Christ given for you. Drink all of ye of it. Do this 
in onomasis, active remembrance of me.